Right, it's take two. We've just had to start it again because uh, I delayed <laughs> what I was going to say. Welcome to the Wheel Talk Life podcast, mate. It's probably made the intro a bit better because I always start it weirdly formal and like really introductory to start it. Don't worry, Joe. I've got basically all afternoon. Thank you for having me, pal. Yeah, no, no worries, Reese. Uh, like I said on the previous recording of this, before I started laughing and I've had to start again, me and Reese. A very similar interest. We're both Burnley fans. Been friends for about five years now. And let me tell you, uh, thankfully, some of our previous conversations have never, never been recorded, Aries. No, it's a good job. Otherwise, you'd be cancelled, and I'd probably be sent for a psychological assessment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're both. <laughs> we're both what you would call. Uh, the occasional Fruit Loops into not Fruit Loops. I would say we're deep thinkers, aren't we, Reese? And that's why I wanted yeah. to get you Sometimes on. Sometimes thinking can help be our biggest quality, but yeah, equally perhaps our biggest curse at the same time. We do definitely share a lot of uh, common ground. And one of our sort of like biggest strengths, or sometimes perhaps barrier or or weakness, not weakness, because so. Sorry, that's not the right terminology, is it, saying cerebral palsy is a weakness, because it isn't. But basically, we've both got uh, cerebral palsy. A challenge. A challenge, yeah, that's the right word. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm liking it now. A lifelong enduring challenge. Because uh, this conversation is flowing a lot better than it were when we were first doing it. So basically, yeah, it's just the floor is, floor is yours to tell people about yourself um, and go ahead. <sighs> So, uh, I have uh, cerebral palsy almost exactly probably the same severity of your give or take a few minor differences, uh, but I'm 10 years older than your age, 32, based in Rosendale, uh, Rottenstall to be precise. I've been to university twice and graduated once with a, a degree in sports media that was run out of UCFB based at Turf Moor at the time. And I now spend most of my weeks delivering disability awareness uh, sessions to children in schools and spend the majority of my weekends following Birmingham FC up in the country. You you're a diehard Burnley supporter, aren't you, mate? You're part of uh, the Bur- the Burnley many Burnley fans in the contingent that travel up and down the country when sort of like uh, permitted it. Because that's um, I suppose we, we will start off with Burnley and your love for Burnley FC and yeah. what that's brought for you for your life personally. Because you've been watching them for about twenty seven years now, aren't you? Uh, started watching Burnley properly in 1996. Fell in love with football in the early 90s as a three-year-old, which sounds bizarre. Yeah, I remember you saying. We consider a three-year-old sitting there and watching full games, but uh, what people have to remember is that uh, because obviously the where the disability was, I was sort of limited in sort of what toys I could play with, and I certainly could have, you know, uh, build a dance and ride a bike like other children want. So I've always been sort of extra mature beyond my years. Yeah, and one same of the yeah. ways that that manifested itself was sitting there watching football and Early in the nineties, like every child, wanted to follow success. At first, I sort of took a liking to Manchester United <laughs> until my dad didn't give me the option, and he said that if I wanted to watch live football every week, it was turf more or nowhere. And good lad, Dougie. <laughs> the rest is sort of history in that regard. And can you sort of like? Remember that first match where you watched it uh, three year old? Because I remember your mum was saying you were transfixed, weren't, weren't you, and able to hold like really mature conversations at about six uh, years old. I, I can't remember the specific match that I watched, but I can remember uh, me and my other good friend Martin, you know. Big shout out, uh, Martin. We're talking about football at the age of three and four, and my mum provided us with the atlas 
the Castlevania would decide on whether we wanted to put our Snow Newcastle on Manchester United and the months that basically pointed out to us how close we were to Manchester and I never had to prepare a way North London and Newcastle was for us. And so me and Martin made a pact on that day to support United. And uh, your dad sort of... Yeah, and broke a few years yeah. later with absolutely no regrets. Yeah, definitely. Um, what would you say is uh, Burnley FC has done for you or your best like sort of memory? Uh, what the club has done for me and uh, the best memory, I think there are two different questions that you'll be answered in either way. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me, it should be answered in isolation, but yeah. in terms of what the club's done for me, I would say it's provided sort of a constant, uh, sort of consistency on focus, and that no matter how tough or uh, stressful or different you can feel about yourself, uh, because of the nature of the disability, you, you know that you're going to the match for the weekend and at least for the afternoon. Is sharing the same common common goals as the other yeah. people. So a lot of the time we spend our week feeling different, sometimes marginalised, sometimes isolated. But then when the match comes around, we're all in the same clothes. Yeah. We all want to see Burnley win. We all go sort of therapy, sort of our church. If you lose, you go back. If you win, you enjoy going more. And no matter what else is going on, it's sort of a consistent sort of therapy session, but almost a comfort blanket in that, like, if life is really tough, but Burnley are doing well, then you can still guarantee that the football will always make you smile. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that's... We often talk about it as well. By the way, when I say this, I don't mean to slag off any fellow supporters of Burnley or put everyone in the same bracket, but I definitely feel that inclusivity has improved, at least since the new ownership, because I often say to you, for many years when I went to Burnley games or just general football in general, sometimes yeah. it felt like when you were like, getting involved in chants or getting a bit, you know, Larry, having a bit of a laugh with people, they like looked at you as if to say, "What you, what you doing? That you should be in day centered." You know what I mean? But thankfully, that's yeah. Sort of... Maybe I remember some that, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to tear everything. No, no. Without production, I just think it. Part of that might be an age thing. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, I think, unfortunately, you would say that the younger people are, the more likely to be like that. Like what? what Maybe teenagers and those in their early twenties, and you know I, I've not really watched other clubs for a sustained period. I have a tiny affiliation with Tranmere, as you know, but I haven't really experienced other teams' fan bases enough. But I think you've got to say that alcohol probably comes into that equation. In general, people treat us differently when they've had a drink than they would be when they're sober. Yeah. <laughs> and obviously football, particularly on the away days, the match and booze go hand in hand, don't they? So, yeah, there has been an improvement, but I just think generally that's because everybody around the club is in a more upbeat mood. Yeah. And not not to speak on something that you wanted to discuss later, but I certainly feel that developing a bit of a, a presence on Twitter has definitely made me feel more of a accepted and recognised part of the fan base that I wasn't I wasn't maybe so much previously. Yeah, that's sort of like you transit you your media savvy areas, because uh, you transition into the next question. Like I say, I've wrote down topics, but this one's a bit different in the sense of I haven't wrote down questions. Perhaps something that potentially spoiled my sort of inclusion in the fan base over the years is because 
you know, my dad lives almost in Liverpool these days. And so for every home game, he travels over to Rottenstone to pick me up from, and then we go to the match together. Yeah. But because he always drives and because he has a longer journey, it's rather difficult for me to get to the pubs pretty much. Yeah. Where, whereas if I'm my way, I'm probably, you know, soaking up the atmosphere in there. Royal Dash or the Oxford or somewhere from about half twelve onwards, whereas my match day is very sort of getting a car get to the ground, head to the you know into the ground at about half past two twenty to three, and it's not really like a social aspect that I would wish you to be at home games. But yeah, yeah, we often sorry we we often have discussions, don't we? Like what our life would be like, um, you know if we weren't in a wheelchair and I definitely think with the likes of mine and your personality how we get very giddy and you know well I'm not condoning uh, that kind of behavior but what I mean like drinking you know booze going out and all the other sort of party elements and like you say yeah. getting a bit leery at the football sometimes because we can articulate ourselves and you know, speak for ourselves and speak our minds. Like yeah. I, I, I say this in a nice way, as I always do to you. Sometimes that, I don't wish I couldn't do that. But do you get one? Do you get what I mean? If you get, yeah, I sometimes feel like that our physical limitations of men that we've almost overcompensated intellectually and perhaps maybe an element of thinking well physically I can't I can't do certain things when I'm limited so the, the last thing I want to be perceived as by other people is dumb so I, I, I try to sort of speak always eloquently intellectually and you know, in interesting ways, and maybe use the more enhanced vocabulary than otherwise I might have done, just because I want I want it to be known that there's nothing wrong with the work in my brain. Yeah, and that and that might be the same for you, for you too. And I, I, I get the feeling it's obvious. Yeah, definitely. And I also I pay major credit to our our mums in this as well in terms of. Like we've been brought up in like a working class environment, and by working class, I don't mean like specifically focus on the word working class, but we haven't been treated like differently. Or Joe or Reese, you know, sitting over there in the corner, we've all, always got involved. And like you were saying earlier, with a yeah. foot, with a football, did your mum and dad like my mum did for me, like you know, try and get me involved in football if it was happening on like in the back garden of some, like, barbecue or something. Did they ever, like, used to hold your body? Yeah, and, like... well, well, I, I, I used to live on uh, quite a... I wouldn't say a rough council estate, but <laughs> certainly community-based council estate where everybody knew everybody, and certainly people didn't have pumps in their mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the age of about three or four, before an operation that I had in 1995, uh, I was rather more mobile to, to the extent where I uh, only used a, a wheelchair uh, occasionally, and a lot of my time was spent on my walking frame, and so I'd go on to the tennis court on the estate where we lived, um, uh, I'm running around uh, and kicking football with other kids on his day. Uh, so yeah, I, I can remember wearing full burmers, but you know, because when you're a kid, you often like two teams. So I would not have full United Spurs, full burmers shirts, and go and join them with a game with other kids. Yeah, it's, yeah. We're, we're both very similar in that regard, but I definitely believe like we subconsciously have without even knowing have taken our parents and families social awareness to a next level in terms of the empathy and sort of like the positive uh sort of like empathy we feel for others and the awareness we can tell if somebody's uh 
pissed off me and you caught me by like the slightest bit of facial expression and stuff like that or if somebody's down we sometimes randomly get a thought yeah. to message yeah. somebody or something like that do you know what i mean maybe Turn that's the autism in us <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, Paul. Sorry, I'm still slightly dying from a bad yesterday. <laughs> yeah, we, we are very self-aware, but also aware of others to a point where we sort of nitpick about the fine details of responses or even, you know, the way that a text message is worded. <laughs> yeah. Enough, yeah. Enough, enough to result in me thinking that someone's in a bad mood with me or like, if there is a use of an emoji where it's going to be, I'll think I'm in the bad books or, uh, you know, somebody can make an innocent comment and I don't think I'm being patronised or, you know, you usually if people are in a bad, a bad mood, not even if they're angry, but just if they're a bit subdued or yeah. sad or something, then not a no, no matter how many times the reader it is not your fault. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I still constantly seem to think that I have to be the cause of the problem. Yeah. And that leads me to question the strength of my friendships and relationships with other people. That's an interesting one, isn't it, relationships? Because uh, it's something we both de uh, deeply think about. Because... Very often, obviously, I don't want this to come across as sympathetic, and that's why I'm trying to keep it in terms of a, a positive. Well, I'm like, you probably hear me in the background randomly started laughing for no reason because I'm thinking of something we could speak about next, or just randomly my nervous behaviour whenever we're talking about se serious subjects. But basically, me and Reese often uh, get friends on or overthink over about like the future in terms of family families, kids and stuff like that, but there, there is hope out there for other disabled people who might be experiencing these things, because you yourself have, have actually been lucky and love at times, aren't you, Eastpac? That sounds a bit cheesy, actually. Rephrase that, to be fair. Uh, I have, but it's beginning to seem a different lifetime ago. I, I have a experience of success, but one might say that I've experienced an extended life spell over recent years. But no, I have been engaged before from 2000, and well, I was in a three-year relationship resulting in an engagement from 2008 to 2011. Yeah. So I've had two major relationships, really. Nah. Well, both incidentally with able-bodied women, which might be an interesting yeah. uh, sign-off that That's a good thing as well, because how do I word this? And I don't mean this in a bad way to anybody, so please, please, please don't think I'm saying a bad thing. Often, people always say to disabled people, don't they, why don't you go out with a disabled woman or a disabled guy or whatever, and... It's a weird one, is that, isn't it? Because you sort of feel like you're being... You, you, you can understand why it would make sense. And be logical. But, like, do we not get to choose who we want rather than just being labelled? Yeah, and, like, my mates as well, they always say to me, like, not in a nasty way, but they're like, oh, you, you set your expectations too high, you always go for the absolute worldies or, you know things like that it's like why why not you know don't just put yourself in a bracket but i think no well, well if personality could win a day which society likes to tell us that personality is key these days yeah then with your your personality there, there, there should be absolutely no limits and likewise um, but i think it's i always tell you don't I, i'm not a set up on it anymore because I've had to learn how to live in 2022 rather than imagining myself in some uh, illegal way where I've seen like 1989 or whatever because as you know I used to develop a massive obsession with acid house and you know the overall 90s era that weren't just very healthy but over the past few years I've sort of like learned to like live in the moment but as you know I, I really don't like how 
most of that communication methods and people show their personality over social media if that makes sense and that's particularly somewhere what i struggle with and i as you know social media but we've said many times when it comes to giving us a inferiority complex uh yeah because you uh go on tinder and stuff and you see people like they glorify mental health for like say come and ruin my life and stuff like stuff like that and that's just not necessarily yeah. not not necessarily me. I can't lie, I will probably ruin your life. <laughs> it's like I have no desire to make meaningless conversation, but perhaps I, I, I'm like you. I'm searching for like sincerity from others, but we often, uh, you know, have to rely on others. That that's maybe why we we search for that level of sincerity because. Sometimes a lot of people make empty promises to us, don't, don't, don't they? And but what we have sort of learned to do, and especially yeah. you, especially you, which I'm proper proud of seeing, and that you, your bio on your Facebook is don't determined not to let disability win, and that's what you're doing at the moment, isn't it? With all your school. Well, what I mean, that that's what I intend my life to be. Yeah. But where whether you can. Exactly, stick to and live by those principles every single day is another question. But I, I must have been feeling particularly strong and motivated at the time uh, when I wrote it. And I, I do try to do that, but it, it's an ongoing challenge to, uh, to manage it because as you get older, you can have... What I would say is my levels of acceptance of my situation have increased, but I wouldn't say that life gets easier for them. I think that's our problem, isn't it? Um, again, no disrespect to any disabled people we know, and I won't mention like loads of names because there's new oh. numerous numerous people who like. No, it, it's not one for name dropping, but I know what you're gonna say. No, but I you. find a lot of disabled people, even ones that I don't know, like they uh, almost accepting of the situation where we are. I almost feel like—is this the right word? I feel like an able-bodied individual trapped in a disabled person's body. Actually, no, no, to be fair, because we often talk about how we're not... No, I don't even know about that, because I do feel like the conditioning of our our situations have now to such an extent influenced the way I think about things. I, 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 I don't like to think that I get worried about the small details of, like, some people often tell us just chill out basically don't they like I can yeah. I can sit in bath right and want to get out within five minutes because I'm bored and want to do something else. I definitely have got some sort of ADHD alongside me, autism or whatever. But I think that I think that makes us more identifiable to people because people can see that we've got good arts. You know what I mean? I um I like to think that we're well respected amongst people because you know we we just like you know yeah. get get. I I, I think. It's easy, it's easy to comment on an individual's life and the perceptions from the, out, the outside, but I, I would say that you're so vibrant that you would almost have... Basically, you'd have to be a weirdo not, not to like your... Whereas... Vice versa, mate. Don't like not say that about yourself as well, because people fucking love you and, like, you know... 
Yeah, but I have a more serious and a more old manish. Yeah, but that's you, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. I, I I just feel like we we definitely have more of a an external vision of more ambition about us than what several people have with a disability do. But you know. Maybe we shouldn't be casting all the conspirators because we don't know what other people are capable about what Yeah, it's not even necessarily about disability. My mum says you've got more ambition than uh, most people, like in the little thing, or in 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 like our particular family, or you know what I mean. Sometimes it it like frustrates me where people sort of like you know. They take liberties of our like kindness or ambitions. Do you get what I mean? They're almost like, oh, why well, you? I think in the defence of other people's like, which only if I'm No, you're right. I love this yeah. conversation. Do you not think it's because we have more time to dedicate to our ambitions and potentially people have more pressures in everyday life, like children bills to pay. Uh, you know, mortgages, uh, commitments, uh, you know, d- d- supporting their family, supporting their friends, whereas we, you know, perhaps aren't the busiest of people buying life, so we can never focus on our thoughts, on our ambitions and dreams. Maybe so, but I have to disagree in the sense of I believe what me and you are like now, we would be like if we were, what like, we were like, you know, able-bodied because I believe like people like your Paul Gascoigne's, your Tyson Furies. But by the way, I'm not comparing me and you to them. There's lots of people that have these problems in life. It's not just disabled people, but like you can't have that vibrant personality or the you know the hyperness or the ambition that we sometimes have without that massive crash sometimes, do you know what I mean? And it's about, like, controlling, it's about controlling that, and it goes, uh, there's numerous times that our head falls off, even at the slightest, like, little thing, but... The yeah, pro- I've, I've been definitely recurring thing with us is that we, the, the, the more confidence and support that we receive from people, the confidence and spirit itself, Maybe me even more so, but the, the more people champion me and praise me, it, it's almost like I'm a puppy who can't laugh yeah, like, we come away from a normal, uh, everyday conversation that's just pretty... Say if me and you met, like, a group of lads or met, like, hopefully, like, one day, like, a girlfriend or, or something in a pub and we had a right good conversation and a female, like paid us like a bit of attention we'd be absolutely buzzing for like the next three weeks wouldn't we like well, <laughs> yeah yeah but what demoralizes me is when that happens the, the female is never sober <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> the, the only time we get a sort of right source of meaningful attention is usually in my case again when you know full well yeah. that uh, she's drunk a body weight and wine already and she'll have absolutely no recollection of it in the morning. Can you remember when my mum was absolutely fuming when that woman was like, you know, almost straddling Martin at Etihad at Liam Gallagher? She was, yeah, re- yeah. She was ready for battering her, wasn't she? No, not battering. Just as I was describing that, that's exactly the scenario that I was picturing in the end. Yeah. But I don't exactly help myself in terms of like the female side of things because I sort of like over, I like the feeling of oh I don't have anything in common with with people my own age override my sort override my sort of like beliefs because you know especially the podcasting as well like I like to think people do like believe in what I'm doing and think it's good. But just sometimes a barrier in my own head, like, uh, prevents me from it sometimes. But thankfully, I've learned how to deal with that, you know. So, so sometimes, even if you think that you're starting to get on with someone, 
and sometimes have this notion that it's only a matter of time before they'll, they'll want me out to realise. Yeah. You know, I, I like them, I really am. That Joe sleeps with the light on because for whatever reason... His, uh, his body starts shaking if I lie flat, which, by the way, that... Even if you're finding it funny now, I don't know what it be before my issues and quirks would be too much for him. Yeah, it's, but I, like, you've got to put a positive spin on it, and you? And, you know, the cliches of there's someone out there for everyone, and hopefully there is, because, like I say, um, there has been opportunities, but... There has been times also when I've been that nervous when a girl's come up to me or whatever that I once went to like a, a do at Turf Moor and this girl came up to me and my mate Adrian Trigger, big shout out Adrian Trigger, you've also met. And because you like making me laugh behind me or something like that, this girl said, Hi, Joe, how are you doing? And I just randomly started laughing for, for no reason. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And it's like this as well, what we're doing now, we've actually been going for 31 minutes and I'm so happy because something... Well, I know, I mean, we've talked about lots of different subjects and like I'm looking forward to listening to this back for my own self as well because I'm speaking right freely now and basically what, I like, what I've spoken about before, there's been numerous times, I've spoken about it many times before. As you know, Reese, there's been numerous times that I've wanted to quit this course because I feel like the journalism industry is, like, too structured for my soul. Not that I'm not a structured person because I have got autism, as you know, know, and I do like structure in that sense, but I'm not, like, this really prof- professional, really structured robotic journalist. And, like, when I try and, like, force what <coughs> I'm saying or read it from yeah. a script... I've told you before, Anta, where my body starts to tense and, you know, it, it raises the tone of our speech. Do, do you want to talk about hypertonia briefly for people that might not even know? When they look at us sometimes, they think, oh, why why the, why, why is the face crunched or whatever? Or what? yeah, so, essentially, I, I had a wake up on the YouTube channel that didn't like that too much. Well, well. It was successful, but that's by the by. I've ended up locked out of the channel now. Bloody hell! I I hope to start providing yeah. football club content of that. But something that I didn't fully realise about myself until I started to watch myself back on YouTube is all the time when I speak, I do so using my. Uh, <laughs> Do so using my face muscles. Yeah, so do I. And, and to an extent, it can look to people as though I'm in pain when I'm speaking. And I've even got people upset that it looks like you're crying. Uh, sometimes when I yeah. go to schools, I've had school children ask me if I'm upset, am I crying? <laughs> I sound like I'm crying when I speak, according to some children. Hmm. And basically, that's hypertonia in the sense of the more excited we are, the less sort of clear and defined our speech is. Yeah. And that, that comes from a tension that I can feel right the way down below my feet, all the way up from my legs and my chest. It's weird, isn't it? Like, sometimes also, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't even know I'm doing it. And, like, then, like, you know, 30 seconds later... Oh, no, but the more you think about it, the worse it'll be. Yeah, that's why I could say to anybody listening, if you do end up meeting somebody with cerebral palsy, you think, God, why why are they sort of, like, you know, why, why are they so tense or whatever? 
don't draw attention to it because that makes it worse as well. And like this. Oh, the worst bit. Are you alright, calm down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But in reality, they need to like people should hopefully know listening to this that it's something that's part of us, and that's one of the reasons why you know. One it is linked to anxiety in terms of. Do you think so? If I am feeling anxious, yes, at, at the time. Especially me as well, like, 
I really, really bothers me because I mean no harm to anybody, and I hope people listening to that. Lots of people listening to this will already know that about us, won't they? Anyway, Reese, they'll hopefully be yeah. la- laughing well, with us. Well, the problem is, is, when you're a kid, you get away with it, but somebody the older you get, it's almost as though people like expect you to develop more self control by a certain age. Yeah. And yeah. That's not really been the case. Especially not with me. I, my mum, you know, we often talk about you seem a lot more. Like, slightly more balanced than than me in terms of I'm 23 but I still act as if I'm like 12 foot 13 14 15 in some like instances I, I wish I could be more mature but it's not necessarily within my nature and that's probably why a, a lot of the reasons why I've wanted to quit the journalism because I, I love all the tutors there they're great they're fantastic and all that but they're sort of like teaching us like the professional side of the elements and I'm just without it I'm trying my best to listen but then I'm thinking, What am I having for my tea later? Or even even that happens on turf, doesn't it? Like I can be so engrossed in a conversation with you that sometimes yeah, I don't Yeah, I'll get you the biggest problem fan ever, but I'll be saying that you you know you don't even lose yourself in the game to the extent that's I do. Yeah, I, I just, I like buzz off being there really, don't I? I think you do as well, to be fair, because like I said, it's, um, it's you know, a big part of our lives is sport, and boxing's become part of my life over the past few years. I, I really want you to come to a boxing event. I think you love that. Yeah, yeah, it's on my agenda to try and do that this year. Hey, if, uh, if... if Things were different with our condition. We could have even got like, say, if we had a different disability, or we could have even got like a charity boxing event going. Me versus you on Arbery's at Paddy and Football Club. <laughs> well, we could have actually had a wheelchair fight together. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's like if we both had dexterity and movement in our arms. Yeah. I would have been well up for that because uh, on that. Uh, What's it called in Liverpool, that gym that's called the Inclusive Hub? Yeah, he's big shout out Liam. He's big one wheelchairs having like boxing sessions there. Yeah, I've interviewed Liam, he's a great lad, and what they're doing there is like sort of brilliant because I'm uh, going on to like the sort of, as you know, I'm very passionate about like the school system not actually teaching you what you need to know about often, like sport and stuff, school for all of us. Uh, were yeah. fr- frowned upon in like having extra double maths do you know what I mean instead but some people just aren't mm. wired or you know meant to be at, at school do you know what I mean and like you know I definitely feel like a lot more of the curriculum should focus on what you're doing with like kids mm. in schools and stuff do you want to talk well, a bit about that because we have I been... mean I mean I like school but I wish it would have been very different for me. <laughs> what I, did... I was quite clever, but socially, I would have loved to have taken more from it than what I did. Uh, but, you know, uh, let's right, not be sort of ungrateful about that experience, because especially in my case, if I was born any younger than I was, even by a year or so, then I would have automatically been sent to a special needs school with guidance and intelligence. And so I, again, that's why... I, I am grateful for the inclusivity that I did receive in the spring. Yeah, and again, but, that's a big, like, sort of kudos to our parents, because, like, they sort of tried their best to make sure that that didn't happen to us. Um, yeah, most of the credit actually has to go to Martin's mum and Martin's dad. I don't know Martin's mum, no, but I have I, met Martin's dad. Big shout out, Martin's dad. Can't no, it, it was them really who campaigned for Martin to go to Maitreys and then me only being a year younger. My mum then followed suit after that. Yeah, and it's just about, you know, doing the best you can with what you've got. And because we've been on for 40 minutes and I'm mindful that you are meant to be going somewhere soon, 
do you want to talk about what you have been doing in schools in terms of what I believe school systems should do more of instead of teaching us about algebra that has no relevance to our lives or Pythagoras theorem and fractions, etc. Talk about what you're doing that actually impacts people in a way where they can go ahead and use it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so essentially, um, since uh, 2019, sort of just before COVID, my two nieces were studying uh, health and social care for their GCSE class in uh, a local high school, Olga Grange, here in Rottenstall. Um, as part of the syllabus, they were learning about syllable palsy. So, Leanne and Joe probably might listen to this, but I'll post Hopefully. it on Facebook afterwards. Ask the teacher if I could go and give them a talk to the class about his horrible palsy. I arranged it with a teacher, basically. I really enjoyed it. The feedback from the kids was superb. And the teacher at the school said I did an excellent job. And that I should compose a letter and uh, make, make it more than just a one-off because of how valuable it is. And since then, I've been going round to schools all over the Northwest, primary and secondary, teaching children about cerebral palsy, about, about the nature of my life, what it means to live with a disability, and sort of project positivity about disability onto students with a hope of decrease uh, in prejudice and lack of awareness for the up and coming generations. Yeah, and I always say this to you is massive respect and like kudos. I keep saying the word kudos. Why do I keep saying the word kudos? Sorry. Um, massive, no, the right word. massive respect to you because you what you're doing now comes subconsciously be implanting something in these kids heads to like in the future they could end up like marrying or having kids with a disability you know honestly mate they improve they improve sometimes i can't believe uh you know the the niceness of the children and like the the genuine sincerity of the way that they respond. Yeah, go on, tell I us mean, that story about I, what that I girl said. Particularly a couple of weeks ago yeah. about uh, yeah. when I was in high school in Berry, uh, and quite quite a challenge and troubled student. Uh, which I, I sort of know because you, you can always tell that yeah. the, the, the ones that the teachers are worried about. Uh, they usually make them sit there so the teachers sort of didn't obviously like tell them to behave or I like to send them out of the classroom if they need to. But this girl who uh, obviously had the problems started crying halfway through one of my talks and yeah. then put her hand up and proceeded to say that she wanted to look after people like me and make people smile for a job. You know that's that's mint, and I I get a right warm feeling from that whenever you tell me that because it's just it just shows what you're doing and honestly, mate, you know you're doing mint stuff and hopefully we can show people through this episode that you know as long as you're a good person and you've got a good heart. Don't get me wrong, we mess up as much as other people. That's why I don't like being called an inspiration because. I no. sometimes I sometimes think yeah you don't know the half of it I can be unfortunately sometimes be an idiot just as much as the person that's calling me an inspiration nobody's perfect you know what I mean like no. so sometimes I can get angry and uh, you know uh, you get what I mean anyway don't you from the conversations with I'd like angry at the world and stuff but 
you know, what what you're doing and hopefully what I'm doing by this. I, I, even now I'm, I'm worrying about some of the stuff that we've spoken about, whether people are, are going to take offence to any of what we've spoken about. Well, if, if they do, then they don't have to listen. We, we've just been honest. If you yeah. Find it they do. I, I, uh, if you don't, yeah. you know, but we, we can only speak on our experiences. And of course, remember that each individual case of a disability is different. Yeah. So we're not we're not speaking for every person with cerebral palsy. We're just yeah. And also, I must reiterate on the minute silence thing and you know the serious subjects. I absolutely mean no harm to anybody. Do I wish you know? No. Yeah. Of course not. And I, honestly, I'll say this again to you, Reese. I've interviewed some absolutely mint people on this podcast and. All of them that I've interviewed are great. Some people still keep in contact with them all and that. But yourself and Stuart Mills, who've got disabilities, have like allowed me to... Speaking to you has allowed me to get myself out on this podcast rather than thinking, shit, I've pressed record now. Let's let's fall into like interviewer mode because, because I'm panicking. Do you know what I mean? Whereas no, with no, that... The less formal it was, the, the more likely to be informative it also was, because nobody's worrying about how long to spend on it question, and I think it's been great. And, yeah, do you know how long we've been going? Uh, I would guess uh, 50 minutes. 51 minutes and 12 seconds. Well, and I accurately time it's great. It's the autism in us, mate. It's the autism. undiagnosed autism. Yeah, but I hope people listening to this have, like, um, taken away that it's alright to be yourself and it's alright to be open and honest about things and your yeah. own little personality traits because yeah. that well, that's what makes you you are. If you want to go and speak to homeless people like like I do on the street or or stop out stop people and say hello and get your head up and speak to people, don't be afraid to doing that because your mates call you a weirdo or what. Or, or, you know, things like that. Be yourself and, yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. Everybody who's doing something good and yeah, vice versa. Thank you for having me, John. Maybe we can revisit this. 100%, this mate, because I'm proper buzzing now. Even, even speaking to you, I can feel it right now within me. That I know full well that this episode's gone well and I won't need to be thinking, oh, did I get my... Did I sound, you know, tense on that because... I know full well that I haven't, and I know full and well that... you me to go and join the gym again and go pump some iron and get strong in the upper body and release all those positive endorphins. Hey, we shall we go on Love Island next year, mate? That'd be good. We'd get a, a de- uh-huh. decent sympathy vote, wouldn't we? What can we offer yeah. you, girls? Uh, you can be as carers if you want. <laughs> I, I'd have to get rid of the dad bod. Oh, I'm sure that'll be done now you go in gym. <laughs> All right, then. Cheers, pal. I'll end the recording and speak to you afterwards. Bye. Thank you very much. Hope anyone listening enjoys this. Take care. Yep. How do we pause it?